Hey everyone, welcome to episode 124 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. We've got my friend PJ Street on here today. He's a online coach who has done everything in the industry and a writer for T Nation and used to write for a lot of other publications. So we talk about how he's navigated these different changes in his over his 25 year career. We also talk a lot about delivering world-class experience for online coaching, something that's even better than in-person coaching. He's really passionate about that. And the idea of growing a brand once you're deeper into your career, he's one of a number of guests we've had on recently who don't have the massive Instagram following of some of our peers, but they're working really, really hard to share great information and why we should pay attention to them. And a little discussion on tech trends, disruption, and even artificial intelligence. Stay tuned and enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fitness Devil Podcast. We, uh, it's just a week behind the last episode for you guys, but it took, it's been two weeks for us recording, so every time we take a little bit more of a break, we feel rusty. But uh, today we've got my friend PJ Street on the uh, podcast. He's done pretty much everything in the industry. I was actually going over the list of stuff he kind of went through for me, and it's 25 years of literally almost everything. I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that, but he's owned his own facility, he's contracted for other facilities, He's worked as a strength coach in college football, uh, combine prep work, uh, working with older adults, and now the big focus is on delivering a world-class experience in online coaching. So we're going to talk a whole bunch about that. But most of all, welcome my fellow Teen Nation writer, PJ Street. Dean, Andrew, thanks so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this for weeks, so I appreciate the opportunity. That makes one of us. <laughs> it's too early. I got my coffee, so we're good. I got three bang energy drinks in me, so. Really? That's, oh, yeah. That's a lot of caffeine. That's like, yeah, that's, that's like 600. You know what? I love the way they taste. Yeah, I try to calculate the caffeine content. and it, It's most. A, a bit much. Yeah, it's like, it's like I, think, I think it felt like I'd take a hit of meth or something like that. Well, Greg Knuckles spoke here, and he was like, he was like, just so you know, like bang energies have like the highest. It was a bang? Yeah, yeah it was a bang. Like, if you want actual caffeine intake that's like aligned with the research, he's like, you should have like, two bags <laughs> and but he was serious because he's like all the other energy drinks say they give energy but he's like it's only like 80 to 100 you need like at least 300 you can get them here now in specialty stores they're about five bucks a can but every time i go to the u.s i'll have one and you know what's funny like they taste amazing and i always feel terrible after drinking them. oh you absolutely do i'm i'm usually hitting the hitting the head within about three four ounces of that stuff but yeah i jacked up it has super creatine though. So like yeah. usually when I'm traveling, I don't have creatine. So I do buy, I buy them just, just cause it has that in it, but I don't even, I don't even look at how much is in it. There's probably nothing, but it's super. So that might mean something. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that uh, motivated me to get you on here is you and I have been chatting for a while now since Nick Tuminello kind of connected us a while back when we had an episode with him. Yeah. And I feel like, there's been a bunch of people in the industry that I've kind of gravitated towards because we have, we're in similar places, similar followings, not necessarily all the same things are our career. I mean, my career is nine years long, not, not 25, but you know, similar number of quote followers on social media on Instagram type stuff, you know, more re recently writing for T nation versus the guys like our Christian Thibodeau's or Nick Tuminello's who have been doing it for a really long time and have, you know, broader names in the industry. 
And just like with, uh, we just had Erica Suter on here recently, yep. she's doing a lot of writing. She's down in Baltimore and she's good friends with my friend, Savon Fagan, who we just had on here. And Savon more recently got on Teen Nation. And we're all in a similar place in a way. And I'm enjoying networking with and getting to know, and, and like Savon, for example, is a very good friend now, and getting them on the podcast and sharing their, their work. The people who are in that same place where they're not yet the household name in our industry, but they're working on, you know, coming from that Basically, unknown gets- place into trying to be really consistent with their content and their information in order to gain some traction in the industry. So, you know, I'll, I'll veer off from what I was originally going to ask, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that process, having been in the industry for this long and more recently really focused on building up that you know, brand name. Well, here's what's interesting about me. I mean, I went through this period in the um, – probably mid 2000s to where I was writing for men's health. I was writing for men's fitness. I was, you know, I was, you know, in shape magazine, all I I was doing all of that stuff. Um, And even back in the, when I was in high school and college, I was writing for a website called cyberpunk. Do you guys remember cyberpunk? No, no. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was like the Mecca for high intensity, you know, you know, old school high intensity training. So I, I've been, I was published a whole lot. I mean, I, I had a, I don't know if you know, I, I got a book deal through Reader's Digest. Yep. I was in that, I was being published in, you know, in the limelight a little bit more, um, you know, writing for all those publications. And then in growing my in-person business, that stuff just completely fell off. And it's like once you're out of that space, you know, a lot of the editors, you know, leave too. Like Adam Bornstein, I had a really good relationship with him. He left Men's Health. And then with the digital age and social media, print publications are, you know, you know, it used to be a big deal to be in Men's Health and Men's Fitness. But now trying to re-enter that space and doing things with, with writing for Teen Nation, you really do have to, you're basically starting over to where once you were kind of a well-known big deal. So it, it's been it's been fun to kind of re-enter that space, but also a bit humbling it's a whole different world with social media now and i was going to touch on like maybe you can highlight that but like you switched from your personal business from writing to that because probably it was pretty profitable but like now like it was hard to capitalize on a lot of that writing stuff probably back when you were doing it because there wasn't on online training wasn't a household name and all that shit have you found that like have you found that to be true some extent like in terms of writing translating into your actual business making money well, here, here's, here's the thing about that. I, like, I, I'm a meathead at heart, and I like to write for Teen Nation because that fulfills me. I, that's not my core demographic at all. I mean, yeah, but I like to, Same for me, absolutely, yeah. You know, that, that just kind of fills my cup. Um, I'm not expecting to get any business out of that. I mean, my, my core demographic, I mean, I got 104 online clients now. It's all gen pop. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I have a handful of competitors and you know, who, who I've – prepped and all that but mostly it's your typical uh you know busy adult mom or dad with a bunch of kids so for me i wanted to get back in writing just because i like to talk training i like to share you know techniques that 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 just you know it keeps my cup filled and there's nothing wrong with that you know doing something simply for the joy of it and not expecting to make a profit but yeah transitioning back in because it's such a crowded space now with you know, Instagram in particular, 
uh, to try to, to try to like, you know, put your tail between your legs and be a little bit humbled. And cause it's easy to say, well, I was doing all, I was country before country was cool. And I was doing all this shit before <laughs> you guys were. And I was on, you know, I, I've had a book deal and I've been in all these publications and I've contributed to, you know, other people's books. And, but that was friggin' 10 years ago. So it's, it is almost like, you know, starting to blaze your own path again in, in that aspect. Well, it's a different world now. Like even it is. we're talking totally. to like the fit pros, like basically Andrew was really nice and said, everyone's getting older and there's like a new, there's like a new group of people coming up. But like at the end of the day, all the new people and the new people into fitness have no fucking clue what happened 10 years ago. Exactly. Been some, Cause things have happened so fast, even in the last five years with Instagram, that like the people in it don't even understand. Like there's a lot of people who don't know what teen nation is where anyone I know that was working out, especially when I was younger, it was like, it was like teen nation bodybuilding. Oh, that's all you need to know. So it's, it's just interesting to see that dynamic because there's a lot more opportunity now, but it's also way more crowded. Like you said, and it's hard to find where do you fit into that? There's a lot of shift. A lot of the guys who've been around a long time and then some of the girls too, but our industry, we know this tends to be a little bit of a male dominated space. Um, we'll talk about uh, forums, right? So bodybuilding.com yeah. forums, teen nation forums. These are the big things. I know there was other big forums and now it's, it's Instagram. Now it's social media. I mean, Facebook, but, even Facebook has sort of, it's not died off per se, but it's not quite the same epicenter that uh, of fitness that Instagram seems to be. Uh, and then we've got, it's, it's funny too, we sometimes make the mistake of judging people and their credibility based off of following. And I think there have been a few people recently, I feel like Lee Boyce is one of the people who keeps saying this, or maybe it was Brian Cron, but I, I know they both said this stuff, that, you know, someone's number of followers is not a good metric by which they have success. We also have to be very careful to say, because I mean, like, what have I got? A little over 3,000 on Instagram right now. We also got to be careful not to get caught in this trap to say, well, anyone saying who doesn't necessarily have that big following, you don't want to sound resentful or like you're just kind of bitter or negative because, hey, you haven't done it yet. Right? And we got some people who are probably in a similar space to us, uh, I was thinking of, uh, we just had Gareth Sapstead on here, the fitness maverick. Love Gareth. Yep. Love Gareth. And Gareth, you know, was recently popped up on Teen Nation Radar as well. And when I started kind of reading your stuff and TJ Custer, and TJ's got like no following, but he's a fucking awesome dude. And then you look over at uh, Gareth, it's like, wait a second, Gareth has a massive Instagram following yeah. and he's really stylized it. And so yep. it's really fun to talk to. And it's like, ah, you know, he's pretty much just like us. He had a, a published book deal very, very early in his career kind of before he felt ready. And he told us about that when he was on with us. And so there's a lot of these parallels, except, and the dude is legit smart. Like he comes up with novel shit, like using a landmine for single leg hip thrust that Brett Contreras goes and goes, wow, that's actually really good. And then he starts sharing it. And that's the thing. I like guys like Gareth because it it, it might be novel shit, but it's, it's like, it makes a hell of a lot of sense and it's immediately usable. It's not just a, a parlor trick or a circus act. I mean, and, and I think that's with, I use, I use social media and for the record, and it doesn't bother me. I have a shit following, although I'll say it's going from more like diarrhea to like a solid turd. (laughs) But you know, I use that primarily. I try to enter the conversation in my prospective client's head. So my Instagram is hardly ever about me. Yeah, I like to throw up exercise demos, kind of for the same reason Gareth does. Stuff that you can take in the gym, it's immediately usable, or it's a, long, a long-term tactic that you can integrate throughout your training career. But most of my stuff is like, 
I'll take snippets of what my online clients say in their biweekly check-ins with me. And I'm like, that's powerful. And I'll just put it up as a freaking quote. And I want somebody to say, you know what? I feel that way too. Hey, I, I, I can relate to that person. I, you know, I'm a busy mom with three kids too. And I want to feel that way or I have felt that way. And I've had these barriers and anything that can highlight what problem I'm solving for somebody. And, you know, I was here. Now I'm here. This is how PJ and Revived helped me. That's the stuff where I get, you know, the biggest bang for my buck in terms of likes, in terms of people DMing, you know, DMing me, reaching out. So I, that, that's always my biggest thing with, with social media is how am I going to enter the conversation in my, in my prospect's head? Well, I, well, I was going to say, we've, we've, we've had a few people on here, but we, I can kind of, we know kind of the back stories of a lot of these things. Following has not necessarily scaled with income a lot of the times because like you said you don't have that big of a following but you have a hundred and whatever online clients like that's a fucking income where there's a lot of people with big followings who don't even have anywhere near that or know how to monetize it so it's like it doesn't really that's matter because you're focused thing. on growing it as opposed yeah. to actually doing like whatever but i mean that's the thing i wish i mean those guys like andrew i saw your stuff the other day about you know you put up the most basic post, you know, your training tips post or whatever. It's, it's a, it's a Twitter thing. I love that stuff too. And it's like the most basic message that everybody's heard a hundred times before, but like those will get like the biggest likes. And I look at these people that are making these unbelievable, you know, infographics and all these great filters and the stuff looks great, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I got 104 fucking clients that literally, I mean, I, unless I outsource that, which I don't want to, because they're not going to get the actual message or content, right? I don't know how, how people pull this off because I know how time strapped I am. So my <laughs> stuff looks like what it looks like. I use Canva. I'm not very good at it. I just try to be authentic, put out stuff that I think is, you know, either going to resonate with my demographic or it's going to help somebody in the gym. I'll put up the occasional funny thing. Um, but I just try to keep it really, really basic. And to your point, Dean, it doesn't scale with income one bit. Or time. Like you said, time invested in some of these infographics, but like <laughs> a lot of the people. I try, I try to do it. It's like the three hour process. I'm like, I'm not a freaking graphic. And they're hedging their bets on a future income in online training. Cause it's like, they're almost like building this thing and that's fine. It's just like, to me, that's high risk because you're basically not getting paid, which is fine. Like you can do a lot of things and not get paid, but that's a lot of time investment and over and over and over again. And we've seen in terms of people who have monetized it, like you're talking about like the 1% of all the fucking people doing that because everyone's doing it. And so I don't know if I was going to hedge my bets, I'd probably do it in something where I know I can make money initially and then do that as a side, a side bitch or whatever you want to call it. Something that, I mean, this is a side bitch. Side. <laughs> Sorry, not this, a side this thought is kind of the low-hanging fruit. We've, we've hit on a few times, but when you're you're seeing a lot of imagery of, especially people with online who've got big followings, and everything's very you're curated, and especially you see a lot of like nice-looking vacations and and a lot of symbols of wealth and status. Treat that as a bit of a red flag unless you have a very good reason to understand this person is doing fairly well. And then why is this person? sharing this stuff are they selling something to you as the either the the general fitness consumer or as the trainer if they're selling this a service to you that help you with quote your business or somehow to be wealthier or what have you then i would approach with caution because you want to make sure this is not just something that's really crafted and curated just to try to get your business 
Yeah, and I go back to what, you know, I was in a, a mentorship group a long time ago with uh, Alan Cosgrove. And, and, and Lee Boyce has said this too. The number of fitness professionals, the percentage that even make a six-figure income yeah. is minuscule. All right. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's minuscule. And then you have these, you know, Lee Boyce said that too. He's like, look, I can count on one hand. And Lee Boyce knows everybody and is a big name. It's like, I can count on one hand the number of people I know that are making multiple six figures or a seven figure income. He's like, this is complete horseshit. And, 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 you know, that's absolutely true. This notion, especially with, with online coaching that, you know, you can be in Bora Bora with your feet crossed overlooking the blue sea with a bourbon on the rocks on your six pack and you work 45 minutes a day. And all you got to do is type up a PDF with some YouTube links to exercises and tell somebody what their macros are. <laughs> and you know, charging $500 a month, nothing could be further for the tr- from the truth. I, I, I mean, I had a roster at one time in person. It was consistently 40 to 50 private or semi-private sessions a week. And I can tell you, I have far more time invested in online coaching. And my shit is about as systematized as it can possibly be. So this notion that it's it's you know, oh, you can, you know, make a, a multiple six figure income and I can, you know, pose in front of my buddy's, you know, fake Lamborghini kit car. And it's this easy. It's every bit as hard if you do it correctly, which most people don't, which is why most people fail. It's every bit as hard as making a living, you know, as an in-person coach. And you're by yourself. You're fucking sitting behind your computer. And like the way I look at it is especially with like the Bora Bora thing, you can probably go live in Mexico forever pretty fucking cheap you don't need that many online clients but then you're not banking money you know what i mean like they're not living in like the top end fucking resort like there is probably people that do that but they're like you can go i know people who can travel for a year two years on like whatever 15 grand so you could fucking do it i could think of two really high level people in the industry maybe there's others that i'm not exposed to two high level people in the industry who i think are both brilliant and there's a long track record of success who did spend a significant amount of time traveling. John Goodman is one of them, a PTD. Sure. Now he's back in Toronto. He's bought a house there. You know, he's got his wife and his kid. And you know, that guy is not trying to sell the idea of the, the rich, lavish lifestyle. He's trying to sell the idea of, you know, online trainer academy. Hey, like make a little bit more money, talk yourself up. And then the second guy is Menu Henselman. It's a Menu, I never met him. Yeah. I know he's a brilliant a researcher. Guys. And that's my point though, is like, those are the only two that I really believe who are, who have actually lived that lifestyle for a while because Menno moves around country to country, but he's still a top level researcher, top level contributor to the, the progressive volume of knowledge that's out there in the industry and influencing a lot of other coaches. And part of that very high level research community with people like Eric Helms and Greg Knuckles and, and their like. But beyond that, I'm just not sold on the idea that there's a lot of successful people who living that lifestyle so i just think that's a bit of a red flag but again like, like i said that's low-hanging fruit and easy to pick on it's a good idea though yeah. like you, you, could, could you imagine like living that life like you know what actually i can't it, it, it doesn't appeal to but, me at all. but it actually doesn't appeal to me at all because like yeah like if you're gonna be in mexico the gyms are gonna be shit like we all like get in this <laughs> right. workout like it's hard to have a diet down there like i actually like peeing out I love being at home. I love hanging yeah. out with the cat and hanging out and chilling out every night. And I like going, you know, I work. Internet I've connections done. are shit in all those places. On like, average, I have 35 client session hours per week stretched out over seven days. And there's a lot of in-between hours where I'm writing and shit like that. So I, I punch a ton of time uh, that way. But what I wanted to make sure we got to was the stuff that you, 
both the stuff you're passionate about with online coaching, but how you set about delivering a more personal experience than even personal training was the language you used. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that really what you said there, you know, I got your, your, your primer for this delivering a world-class online coaching experience. I, I think that really encapsulates what I'm trying to trying to do white glove service and making it in fact more personal than personal training because Look, I did it. I, I was, you know, had, had my facilities and was doing in-person training for 17 years. I don't know how many hours. I'm, it's well over the 10,000 benchmark, well over that. And personal training is not, outside of being physically present with somebody, isn't all that personal. I mean, it, it, it's really not because you know how it is, guys. I mean, when you have a facility and you got people scheduled, you're coming in, all right, you got, this is the session time, it's an hour, whatever it might be. It's like, we got to get to work. There's not a lot of time to dig deep with people. Um, there's not a, lot of, not a lot of talk about nutrition outside of, you know, mostly general advice. Um, so I, I saw these gaps to where I'm really not addressing anybody's mindset. I'm, I, I'm really not addressing anybody's nutrition. And it got to the point for me, and I, I have no shame in saying this, it really just felt like people were coming in to work out a few times a week. And, and you know, that wasn't filling my cup anymore. The workouts were great. My programming was great. My coaching and cueing was great. Um, but I wanted more for people. You know, I really did want to transform people's bodies and lives. And I, I just saw, I'm like, there's a lot of different facets you have to hit on to make that happen. And look, some people could give a crap less. They were happy to come work out two or three times a week when they otherwise wouldn't have because they weren't paying $500 a month. They were totally happy with that. They were doing something structured. But for me, I really did want more. And, and it, 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 it hit me one day. I'm like, you know what? If I could have like an app where I could put this person's workout on the app and they could just do this on their own freaking time without having to be tied to my schedule, that would be great. And I could address their nutrition and I could provide a ridiculous amount of accountability. And that's really what separates me from, I think, a lot of online coaches, the a level of accountability and interaction I have with my clients. And I just saw that as, as where I wanted to go. Uh, and it's a scary thing when you're walking away from, you know, I had a monster clientele. It's a scary thing to walk away from that and transition out of and basically start over. But I think the, one, that's one of the keys of longevity in the industry is that it's okay if your interests change within the same space. I went from loving writing training programs, um, coaching, cueing, loved all that, wanted to make every in-person workout a, uh, try to make it a piece of art. I loved all that. But over time, I got much more interested in nutrition, fat loss nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, why some people why do some people choose what they want most and not what they want now and other people do differently? I became infatuated with that. And that's why I saw the potential and ability if I had an online portal and platform to where I could address all of this. And I, I just had a very clear vision. It was still fitness, but be, be recognizing when you're not fulfilled anymore, you, you still love fitness, but you can recreate yourself. And you, whatever you, and your, your, your creativity and passions can change over time, especially when you've done it for 17 years. I was. I was at the point to where I was just burnt. 
and I saw the potential to reach more people and do it in, in, in a more all-encompassing way by this, this, you know, this mechanism. And it, it was scary to leave. It, it was. Um, but, you know, it, I, I, I did all the front-end work. And anybody who's listening who wants to make the jump into online coaching, you better have your shit together and do all of the front-end work and literally think of every potential thing you need to have systems for. I mean, I'm talking about everything from the forms to the contracts to the, the credit card information to your automated emails. Or do you have a, uh, a third-party portal? And that, that's a huge one. I could not do what I do as efficiently as I do. I use PT Distinction. Um, that's a great portal to use for online coaching. How often are you going to, you know, how accessible are you going to be to clients? What's your accountability structure look like? How often do you change programs? Do you have templates in place for this already? Like I have probably 50 different training templates that I've developed over time that will, I mean, I, I can fit people into these boxes and tweak them a little bit. How are you going to adjust people's nutrition? Are you going to use, are you going to develop strict meal plans? Are you going to just give people macro goals? Are you going to create, you know, a bigger meal plan template. How do you have principles for how to adjust people's nutrition? How are you tracking compliance? I mean, it's all of that stuff that you have to have very streamlined and figured out to make it work. Well, it's interesting that you say that because like essentially like similar situation to me when I moved to stronger nutrition is that when you go and do training, it's almost like you're working people out and with like all the research on volume and intensity and all this bullshit is like a lot of times anything works with fitness stuff, but it's all that other stuff, like you're saying with mindset and nutrition. And so it's interesting because if you can hit all of that, you can essentially create the experience that most of us get into the industry want to do anyways, because there's only so much you can do in an hour. But then like you said, the systems of all of that stuff looks way different than here's your program, go do it. Like there has to be a system to all the other stuff. Otherwise you'll, you'll, you'll end up in a black hole of, of e emailing. Yeah, yeah, like long emails. And, 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 and that's the thing. One of, my, one of the biggest game, I hate the word game changer, but I'm going to use it anyway. One of the biggest game changers was me. for me. I rarely email anybody. I do all voice memos. I do screen recordings. I do video with clients. And they friggin' love it. Because I can say in three minutes what it takes me 45 minutes to type. And, and people absolutely love it. And, you know, the accountability structure is massive. My clients, we track three areas every day. Very basic stuff, especially if you're dealing with general population. Did you um, stay at or below your recommended calorie intake for the day? Check a box, yes or no. Did you do your scheduled workout today? Check a box, yes or no. Did you accumulate X number of steps today? Check the box, yes or no. I have compliance trackers that will track all of that. And then every two weeks, it becomes painfully obvious yeah. what needs to be improved on. But you have to go in there daily and do it because a lot of coaches, online coaches, all right, I'll talk to you in two weeks or we'll check in once a month. You're going to fail. I mean, you, you have to be on these people daily and set the expectation. A good coaching relationship is one where you don't want to disappoint the client and the client doesn't want to disappoint you. And, but it's up to the coach to establish that type of culture yeah. because people are coming to you because they, they don't have this shit figured out. So I hear coaches all the time. 
this person's a lost cause. They just don't want it, want it enough. I'm like, no, motherfucker. It's your job to make them want it enough. I mean. That, that was where, like, I think experience plays a big part in this online coaching business, so to speak. Because I think if you're new to training, you think training is the hammer for everything. Or, you know what I mean? So, like, once you kind of accumulate the understanding of, like, yeah, it's neat. Yeah, it's your fucking calories. Yeah, like having an anchoring habit in fitness is probably good to build muscle mass, all that stuff. I don't think you get that unless you, you put the time in because we don't get taught that in school or our training. No. Like, no. Something that um, <clears throat> I think is really important, and every once in a while I'll mention this, the book Extreme Ownership kind of crystallizes this whole idea. But when I hear coaches talking about, you know, the, the things that the clients are doing wrong, whatever, Yes, we know, we've all worked with anyone listening who's ever coached anyone knows that there are clients that no matter what you've tried to do and no matter how much you poured your heart into them, they yep. are struggling and they're going to make decisions that are not in their long-term best interest. They exist. But I prefer to take the attitude that I'm in complete ownership of all the outcomes, all this stuff. And while you risk taking to heart a little bit of shit that's beyond your control, you'll, you'll learn where to turn that off. For the most part, you will always say to yourself, well, it's not this person's fault. Instead, what could I have done differently? What could I have said? How could I have communicated differently to have affected a better outcome? But to get to that place, it has to be informed by like <laughs> the real shit that works. I think that a lot of people aren't even in that place to have that thought because they're like, well, they didn't follow the training program because like they're so narrow focused on what they do, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to take ownership of stuff when they don't even know what they the, the things that work because then a lot talking, of things aren't going to work. Are you talking about the coach? You're talking about the client. Both. Both. Okay. Like especially the coach because there's there's you know does that make sense? I, think, I, I, don't I think, think those are I think those are separate things. I mean we're conflating stuff. So let I me re, re, reframe it. That stuff all matters, but just just take it as its own thing. Your attitude as a coach. Yeah. Okay. You can choose the attitude that it's other people's fault. These people aren't listening to what I'm telling them. And I'm not going the extra mile. And then those problems as they arise in the future, you as a coach are going to continue to say, well, it's not my fault. I've done my job. And those people are failing. And I reject that kind of logic. Instead, yeah. as a coach, when you say, okay, this client did this, it was a bad decision. Again, how can I communicate so that way the next time this situation presents itself, how can I take ownership of the situation to help this person the outcome? Because you're looking for a positive outcome. If the client's successful, even if they are doing stupid shit and you somehow influence them to stop doing the stupid shit that is, quote, their fault, you have a continued happy client who's getting results, which means they're still paying you. It means that you're getting referrals. And ultimately, if there are less of your clients doing less stupid shit that is, quote, their fault, because you somehow took ownership of it, you sleep better at night. You're making more money. There's a lot less stress for you. I like that. that, that, that I mean, really well said. Or I'll give you an example. You, I mean, number okay, number one, this bullshit notion that I, I love these people online. Every one of my clients gets results. I have a 95% retention rate. Total horseshit. Bullshit, yeah. Bullshit. Especially, nobody talks about attrition rates. That's the other thing. If you're, if you're going to go online, just like in person, what's your projected attrition rate? You probably need to have a realistic thing in mind because no, for some people, no matter what you do, you ain't going to reach them, and that's okay. But here's a good example of what you're talking about, Andrew. Like, I have clients that will ghost me. I mean, 
I send out, you know, weekly emails. Hey, just checking in with you. Hey, you, hey, you got a, a, a big uh, dig deep check-in coming up. No response, no response, no response. They're not checking, on, checking in on my app daily. I know they're dropping the ball. Instead of saying this person's a lost cause, I just reach out to them very gently with a voice and say, hey, look, I haven't seen you checking in. And I don't know if this is your, your, your situation or not, but I just want to let you know, a lot of times when, when clients don't respond to me, it's because they think they, they're disappointing me. And I just want to let you know that I don't feel that way at all. Let's just get back on track. What, what can I do to help you? And it's boom. Oh my God. That's exactly how I was feeling. I felt like such a failure and a disappointment. And I just explained to him, Hey, look, this is not a linear path. You know, we're trying to get you to do work that you say you want to do that you have not been able to do. And there's a lot of undoing that needs to be done to get you consistent. Because my whole goal for people, I want you to live the fitness lifestyle. And that's not, that's not lifestyle is not what you do all the time. It's what you do the majority of the time. So I try to, if, a lot of times people think if I'm not perfect with this, I'm blowing it. I'm off track. I can't get back on, but it's having that, that, you know, intuition of knowing how to communicate with people and under getting in your client's head. This person uh, has been 14% with their, their nutrition over the last 30 days. They probably feel like a failure. You know, they probably have regressed, you know, so maybe they were making progress and now they dropped the ball and now they probably think that they blew it. Instead of saying that person's a lost cause, they don't want it enough. I mean, reach out to them and just be a human being. And that goes a long way. I call it the judgment hammer. I'm like I got the same situations and I'm like, listen, like I'm not here to come down with a judgment hammer. Like not that I don't give a fuck. I don't say I don't give a fuck, but it's just like, I don't want you to be perfect. Cause that's how I live. And like, it's a horrible place to be. Yeah. I don't wish my like lifestyle on anyone. And I like it, but like to understand that what you go through isn't what your clients go through when they think that they need to be like the coach. It's like most of the coaches I know are fucked up anyways. Like you just need to be better. And so I guess once you get on that point where they're like, oh shit, he doesn't want me to be a fucking bodybuilder or whatever the fuck you think. Then right. Now we get the real work done and they will check in because they are scared. They're scared. I tell, I tell my clients this all the time. I mean, I set goals in terms of, okay, when we check in, I want to see no more than four to five missed workouts in a month. I want to see no more than four or five days going over, yeah. you know, your calorie limit. You don't have to be perfect here. And I tell people, look, the fit, the fitness lifestyle once you get the results that you want to get, which obviously takes a higher level of compliance, but once you get there, it doesn't, it literally, I, I, I ran the numbers and I'm like, you know what, let's say that 30 or 10 per, or yeah, 30% of the year, it's 110 days. You're in a 1000 calorie surplus over what, you know, what you need. You're enjoying yourself. That's a pretty decent surplus. That's like a freaking Chipotle burrito above and beyond what you need. That's 110 days. That covers every friggin' holiday, every vacation, every special occasion. But if the other 70%, you're living the fitness lifestyle, you're being mindful, or you're tracking your food intake, you're getting in four or five workouts a week, you're moving a lot outside the gym, those other 110 days don't matter. And, and that's what really what I want people to grasp. That it's consistency over perfection. I mean, you, you can't have one-on, one-off, but you can certainly have it, you know, as long as the, the scales are tipped in favor of doing the right things, you can enjoy all the stuff with no guilt, no anxiety, enjoy the holidays, enjoy your vacations, whatever, because you know you're coming back to a certain way of living, but it's getting people to buy into that way of living. Um, something I think is really important, and piggybacks on something you just said, 
Uh, and I'll, okay, I'll, two thoughts. First thing, as a coach, very early on in the process, whether or not you're online or in person, one of the best things you can do is to let your clients realize that they can trust you and that you are a safe place. Yep. No matter if they're perfect or if they're struggling with stuff. It's really important that they feel comfortable letting you know when they're struggling. Because like you said, when they're ghosting and not responding, you know what's going on. They're struggling and they are worried that you're judging them. So if you can make them feel safer about that very early and proactively, it's going to go a long way. And everything we're talking about, like you guys both do a lot more with online versus in-person, whereas I'm a, an in-person workhorse. Same shit though. And it is the same shit. And all the stuff you said about online, I've chosen to very deliberately to have those kind of added quality relationships with my in-person client. Yep. It's not restricted to the hour. I definitely try to make those experiences very rich in terms of not just the coaching experience, but also the interpersonal stuff and talking about whatever's relevant, but the messages and, you know, when you, when you were talking and you talk about voice memos, I'm like, shit, why have I never been doing that? So guess what? Just even a couple of days, I turned around and started doing that a little bit with clients. And guess what? They're getting a really positive response to that. And it's, it's a really special touch. Recently we had Jordan Syed on here and or actually not too long ago and it was one of the best episodes we ever did and he does things like the guy's got like i don't know many hundred thousand followers on his instagram and he will just randomly see a new follower or someone who's who's liking his stuff and he'll send him a message and be like hey man you know just thanks for following so quite a while back i started doing that holy sweet shit the engagement and the interest and the stuff you get out of this and the people will send you questions and maybe it sounds like it's going to be enormously time consuming but in fact, you can get some really quality engagement relationship stuff out of this, and it might turn into an online client, especially for someone well, who well, is that, an online trainer. Well, time invest. So go back to time invested. We're talking about infographics and fucking curating your fucking Instagram, <laughs> sending a voice memo or like replying to someone on Instagram. That actually takes almost fucking zero time in the exactly. day, and that's a way less risk in terms of long-term payout eventually on something. You know what I mean? Like exactly. that's interactive. And in. To bring up Syed again, who I, Syed is like the guy I want to be. I mean, that dude is unbelievable at what he does. I mean, I have learned more for that from that. I never met Jordan. Um, I've learned more from him than, than anyone in terms of, of how to operate online. In terms I have of as well. Yeah. I trust yeah. everything he says on like podcast appearances and when we talk to him. But his, his quote, you know, his quote was, he goes, look, all this stuff about people talking about you know, being about entrepreneurs and brands. And he's like, the best marketing is just helping people. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer. You can still grow a very good business organically and via referrals just by over delivering to your current clients. Hey, like I got 35 clients in, in this little place in Canada. I don't remember. I tell you, Andrew, I don't remember the name it started with one guy that I helped. I've never been, I've never freaking been to Canada before. Now it's like referral after referral. And it's just, a, it branches out, out, out. And it's just, a, it's a tree with branches that keep growing and keep. So this whole thing that you got to have sales funnels, you got to do Facebook ads. It, no, why don't you invest your time helping your current clientele? And you'd be surprised if you play a long game. I mean, I went from zero freaking online clients and in 18 months had over a hundred doing no Facebook ads, you know, I don't know how to freaking do Facebook ads. Like I, I don't, I'm not going to spend a hundred dollars a day on Facebook ads when I can be writing a really good program for somebody or, you know, tweaking somebody's diet or coming up with a new strategy to help somebody or whatever it might be. 
that's going to pay far bigger dividends in my opinion. It's basic shit. Help people do a great job. We have to deliver. You have to deliver. Like we, 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 there's people who will make their six figure income in their one month. They'll sell fuck. I sold 10 G's worth of online training and like you never see them again because like they didn't even have the foundation, which was like you said, delivering good service, I guess you could say. I, I just like to point this place together. That, 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 that little place in Canada is probably something like Montreal or yeah, Toronto. Where is it? <laughs> no, I can't, I can't remember. The, it, 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 it's a little nook somewhere, but I'll, I should just text somebody right now and ask. But Where the fuck do you live? Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe you have a bunch of riggers up What's in that? northern it'll, Alberta. It'll, it'll turn out to be fucking Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> City of the Montreal. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but, you know, it's it's um it's about delivering value i mean beyond all else and but in order to make it you know i i charge 30 to 70 percent less than most online coaches and i guarantee you i'm putting in four times the amount of work but i'm able to do that and still make a a, a decent living and pay the bills because I did all the front end work and systematized everything to where I know exactly how much time within a range that I'm going to have with a client each month. A lot of people don't, don't think about that. Like I know on average, I'm probably going to have about 45 minutes to an hour each month on a client. And that's everything. That's program adjustments. That's um, instant message responses. That's me doing check-ins and doing their, you know, uh, you know, dive deeper check-in where I'm sending a, a 10 minute audio message to them, adjusting their programs. That's everything all in. So let's, you got to know your numbers. So this is good that you're talking about numbers. Cause I guess we want to touch on longevity within the fitness industry. And I guess you're a good example because being able to pivot through different career opportunities through pure stubbornness or whatever the fuck you're doing. Um, advice from you to coaches afraid of long-term income security and stability since we're on the subject. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a terrific question because going back to what I said, you have to listen to your internal dialogue. And when you know that your passion for a certain niche within the industry is fading and you feel creative and passionate about something else, you can slowly start getting your feet wet with that and transition slowly. I would not do what I did and just give up a massive personal training clientele to go do this. I think that's a, that's a terrible step, but there's nothing wrong with um, accumulating new passions and new interests. You can stay under the same umbrella and in the same space. Um, but if, if you're not feeling it and frankly, you're just feeling burnt and your heart isn't in it and you feel like you're going through the motions, but you want to stay in the industry, think outside the box, think about what it is you might be passionate about and start to slowly get your feet wet with it. But you know, and always come back to why, you know, why you're doing all this to begin with. It's because you want this type of lifestyle to be a force multiplier in somebody's life. And it's not to be, you know, earning a, a seven figure income and be, you know, on the beach with a Lamborghini. It's because you truly believe in this stuff and you want other people to believe in it. Yeah. Trust me, there's been plenty of times over 25 years where I'm like, I'm about fucking done with the fitness industry. Like I, I should have just... <laughs> I'm going to go back and get a master's in you know, business and just transit. Then I'm like, no, that's just not me. Like, it's not me. I believe in all this stuff greatly. You got to, you know, ride the tides, be rational. Don't, you know, don't, 
be reactionary. Just stay in the game, but also listen to your own internal dialogue. I was no longer happy training people in person. I just wasn't. I was very good at it, but it just it wasn't filling my cup anymore. I'm like, well, I I love fitness. I want to stay in the industry, and I've been thinking a lot about these other things about being infatuated with habit change and diet psychology, and I really enjoy nutrition now more than training. Whereas before, I, I couldn't get enough, you know. Well, you have a more rounded skill set. Yeah. Because, because like, and I always go back to like the hammer, but like when all you know is fucking training and programming, you realize really quickly, like, like I said, that it's, that's a very easy subject. Yeah. Like progressive overload, whatever this program, yeah. that program, but they're, they're all the fucking same, but that's not where the change is. And so I guess my advice would be to learn the other shit because if you don't know it, you can't apply it or even think outside the box to those yeah. opportunities because you only have one way of thinking. And I guess that would be the box, but that's continuing ed all the way. Like, go fucking learn about the industry you're in so that you can actually stay in it long-term. Because unless you're like the best trainer in the world, you're going to be doing the same fucking thing over and over and over again. If you have clients where you come to that realization that you're going to just be their workout buddy or whatever the fuck, like that may burn you out long-term. And so yeah, I mean, here's, here's, a good, here's a good example we're talking about. I got a buddy in the industry. He's local, really great. He's got his own gym, really great clientele. And he was kind of starting to, he's like, you know what? I really like soft tissue work yeah. a lot more than I used to. And I really like, you know, dealing with people's chronic injuries and, you know, prehab. And he just started to like that. And he went and, you know, he's, you know, ART practitioner now, and, but he never got out of training. He just started to supplement. Yeah. And now he's got his own little niche that he's still training people. But that's that's type he, he was fascinated with that kind of stuff, and he went and got educated on it, got certifications in it, and he was able to add that as a revenue stream. I, certainly, same thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be anything, but I, the having multiple you know revenue streams is never a bad idea at all. It, it, that's rational because then at least you can, like you were talking about, you went all in. But there's a lot of people who are like how do I do that? It's like, well, you need to be able to still pay your bills, which is probably a good rational idea to do what's already paying your bills, which is training, but you yeah. can totally invest in the other stuff. It's just, I think a lot of people don't want to do that because it's hard and they got to spend money. And it's like, well, you got to get over that because otherwise you're going to be the same fucking thing. It's just like all the habit change stuff that we talk about with our clients. I've got a mostly written article that I'll hopefully release eh, sometime in the very, very near future, but we've hit on a couple of points in it. The premise of the article is we see all these trainers worried about the stability and security of their income. And part of this comes from the book, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb's book, Anti-Fragile, where you have the traditional salaried person thinks they're secure. And then the example he uses is his brother, the cabbie, who you know has variable income. But at the end of the day, they average out the same. But the idea that a lot of trainers are get, a lot of good, passionate trainers are worried about their future income and they're leaving the industry because they're scared about being able to keep it going. Well, A, that's owning a business, but B, that salary job is is no more secure. In fact, I think it's more of an illusion of security. Absolutely. That income could be snuffed in one moment. And you're fucked. Whereas you as a trainer, <laughs> we are, we're, we're always worried. We think this, like, oh, like tomorrow all my clients could leave. That yep. shit doesn't happen. And no, if something changes, like all of a sudden, well, I'm, I haven't made as much money the last two months as usual, there are a lot of things you can do to pivot and work harder and learn and adjust to actually make that income stronger. But the point you made is really important is developing other revenue streams and online training probably being one of the best ones. So 
I'm, I'm hoping that I can get this article really fit, make it work in such a way that it really hits home with a lot of these trainers who are emerging and they get stressed about this stuff because you will have to put time and effort and energy into whatever you work at for the rest of your life. Unless you get some government union secure thing where you pretty yep. much can't get fired from it and you can become yep. deadwood but then person you, who does nothing. But then you're still fucking miserable. Why not actually work in fitness, something that you obviously really love to do versus that prototypical nine to five job where companies don't see you as you know, a long-term investment, but they will cut your job if it boosts the bottom line for quarterly profits. Yep, that's exactly. That's the attitude of the corporate world now. So if you are your own business owner, if you do work for someone else, you're a little more vulnerable, but if you treat your own business like it's your own entrepreneurial pursuit, you can do so much to make yourself grow long-term and you're taking off the income, the cap at the top of income that being employed for in a traditional job gives you. You can grow your revenue. And this whole idea about uh, you know stable, secure income, that's bullshit. And you love selling all these ideas. This is another thing I'll stuff in the article. All these ideas, these tactics to give you more stable income. Like, this is the one thing I think is total bullshit. I think it can work if you want, but the whole idea that, oh, if you, if you have your clients on monthly payments instead of per session rate stuff, like, I'm not saying that is a useless tactic. I'm just saying it is an illusory tactic to give you a sense of security that doesn't exist. That doesn't stop clients from canceling. A longer contract does nothing to secure you long-term if you're not investing interested. You have to do the work daily to deliver so much value that people will stay with you long-term. Yep, absolutely. People well are teaching and promising these systems. Well, you got to make sure that people sign a minimum six-month contract. For, Forced before the trees a lot of the times. All this stuff is, is looking in the wrong direction for income stability and security. I, I think just work hard to grow your income to the point where even if it varies month to month, you're still way the hell ahead. Well, and you're not a failure if you don't have a six-figure fucking income with these funnels. Because like a lot of the like, – yeah. I think that's a realistic expectation thing. And maybe that's a new generation thing. But like – like it's okay to make fucking 60 grand. You're doing better than fucking 70% of the trainers anyways. We're making between 30 and $35,000 a year fucking grinding. So I mean like the expectations I, I find just aren't aligned with where they need to be. And there's nothing wrong with a John trainer happened. who's in year one who's making, fuck my first year in the fitness industry, I made I think $40,000 and that's Canadian. So for you Americans, that's, like 20, that's not much. Yeah. My income, I'm in year number 10. My income has grown every single year yeah. I've been in the industry in some pretty solid way. And I managed to pay my bills. My bills were in line with you know my ability to earn and that year one. And gradually my cost of living, like I bought a house along the way, I bought a new Jeep. And you, you build those things in when you actually have the capacity to pay for them. But there's nothing wrong with starting out, starting out in that commercial gym, making the commercial gym rates, because it's going to teach you how to build clientele. It's going to teach you how to retain your clientele, obviously the skills of training. So I don't begrudge a trainer who in the first couple of years maybe isn't making all the money that they're hoping they, they're going to. But if you stick with it, and if you really care about it, and you invest in being better, you're good with relationships with people, your income is going to grow. Without question, without question. And, you know... It, also, just keeping your antenna up, I'm already thinking about what I'd like to do next. Like, I, I'm not, I'm already getting the itch to, to do another, another training facility and mesh what, taking what I'm doing now and meshing it 
with a training facility and in-person training. So I'm already gaining new perspective and new ideas doing what I'm doing now for future endeavors or helping in-person trainers develop an online platform that can supplement what they're doing in person. So you, you just have to, how can I solve somebody else's problem in the same space? What can I take? How can I take what I'm doing now and leverage it um, somewhere else? So like, I'm already thinking like uh, probably in about two years, I know what the gym of the future should look like for me. Um, and I, I think that's going in a certain place. Um, so again, I'm, I'm, my, I'm always, you know, turning thinking about what can I do, you know, a year from now, two years now, how can I take what I'm doing now and expand upon it and leverage it into something, something else. Well, that, I, was, I was just going to say, that's why we bring people like you on or like, we'll bring a Carter Good or Jordan Sykes. They're two different ways of doing things. You kind of got to pick your poison, but e either of those processes require you to continue to look for what's new, put the work and do all that shit. It's just real life examples like yours give people a better understanding of what the risk reward ratio is. And we tend to like push people away from like not doing the whole online like infographic bullshit info like Instagram thing. But like the reason why we bring people like you on is because you can do it without that. And the money is probably better. And there's probably a higher ratio percentage that you will make the money if you do it like people like you have done it. You know what I mean? So like, so thank you. I suppose I have a, a thought on this stuff too, because it's, We've got Brad Dieter. We're literally going to talk to him in an hour and have his episode out next week for everybody. And oftentimes we'll talk with Brad about every time he's on is innovation, technology, and disruption in the industry. So what you're talking about is eyes of the future. Do you pay attention to what it comes to what technology is doing? Because online training, you started in the industry 25 years ago. For a very significant early portion of that, online training wasn't a thing. So now you're doing something that is a disruptor of the industry and now it is your primary income. Is there anything that you're sort of eyes of the future or wary of that could affect our jobs basically? You know, that's a great question. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think online coaching is going to go away. I don't, I don't think personal training is ever going to go away. I just think, in terms of technology, I, I don't look at that as, as being worried about it. I, I want to leverage it because here's the deal. To your point, to your point, even 10 years ago, doing online personal training was really time consuming. Now, with things like PT Distinction and some of these other platforms, it's so seamless. I mean, you know, you have a skeleton framework, you know, to, to bare bones framework that allows you to do this very, very efficiently. I see the gym of the future, and every time I walk, I, I belong to about four commercial gyms. I like to bounce around. Me too. Every, uh, every time I walk into these places, I'm like, why the hell aren't you guys taking what I'm doing and integrating it in here, where you have a master coach or group of coaches, you have your own friggin' app, you have a, you know, program designers, every member gets a program, you have your own app, they bring their smartphone into the gym every six or eight weeks, they get a new program. You can handle all their nutrition as well. And you don't have to train anybody in person. You, you I'll tell you why. Because they don't want people in the gym. Yeah, true. Exactly. <laughs> so it's real. They, I think 90% well, of, well, of the people don't actually go to the well, gym. They don't, yeah. I'll, I'll, actually, I'll actually hit on this point because we know to a degree. But that you're right. The planet, <laughs> and I, I, I think it's 
like silly to beat up on Planet Fitness because they're, they're coming here. Yeah, they're successful. And actually, that's funny because there's a guy locally who owns the legal rights name Planet Fitness Alberta, and there's been a legal battle between them. And this guy's basically just squatting on the name, and that's the reason why Planet Fitness hasn't actually come to Alberta. But Albert Crowley. First of all, I actually think that most gyms. Uh, studio business, stuff like that. They've evolved past that. They actually do want their people there because they've realized that people who attend are people who keep their membership. So I think that's a bit of an old cliche that's dying. So I wouldn't worry so much about that. Uh, I think your idea is a great one, actually. And I think that new studios and businesses coming up, you'll see things like Orange Theory and F45. They're, they're getting more involved with tech. Um, People are wearing monitoring stuff. I think it's some of these things. I don't know about the 45 one. But the tech is becoming more and more a part of this. And I, and I think you're going to see more of a trend in this way where somebody's going to do as well, where their members have the app and there's going to be workouts and program stuff. And whoever does a really good job of that is probably going to change the commercial gym industry. Exactly. I think it's more likely to be something that the studios, these these types of Orange Theories and, and F45s, or whichever the next one is, because right now here in Alberta, all the F45s are rolling out, and they're going to probably smack Orange Theory pretty hard, because they're pretty aggressive. They got Mark Wahlberg's name behind it, and it's very stylized. Yep. There'll be a next thing, and somebody's going to figure this stuff out and do really, really well. So this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. One of the places I think for personal trainers, once we get it cheap enough and programs are there, I think an AI, an artificial intelligence, is going to be the thing that helps us. Where you have your own personal AI that is recording the client's movement data in front of you, or maybe it's the online client, what? and yep. feeding this into a program. And it's not going to eliminate you as a coach because, like you said, personal training and online training aren't going to go away. People who are great with people and those relationships, there will always be a role for those people. But when you get this extra data that's being put into an algorithm, into a program, and it's giving you more information, you have to do less work on that front. And then you can take that greater amount of information, heart rate variability, which Dean is you, John, you know, that kind of information, and it all gets thrown into one big computer algorithm that does the brute force calculations, the processing on, and it gives us information we can use to then coach the client better. And I think artificial intelligence is going to be a big thing in our industry, I think probably five to 10 years. I, I think that's, that, that's really interesting. I've thought about this. What if I had a client that I had that AI information and I'm like, oh, I see you're at Outback. Um, hey, stay away from the bread. Like, I know where you are. And, 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 here's a, and, you know, and here's a menu choice that I've looked at on Outback. And here's what I would recommend. If you can, not you guys are like talking about like altered carbon bullshit. Like the, the world <laughs> is not that close to that. You'd be surprised though. I'll, I just watched I'll, that show and I'm like, I'm like, crazy. Do you want AI? Like, I, technology is is changing again. The other one that I always think, and I'm surprised no one's doing this, and I think we'll get there with the online coaching, is and it'll probably be more for the affluent. But I can picture the Star Wars little blue hologram being projected yeah, onto okay. the floor as someone's working out, and you're there. That's AI. That, that, that's not AI. <laughs> yeah, that, is. Would be, that would be wild, man. <laughs> what do you? Okay, just before we ask him what he does for fun. AI, what's an AI to you? Because like AI to me is like a virtual assistant that's like fucking projected. It is, an, no, no, so that's, those are slightly different things. That could be an AI. An AI is, is artificial intelligence, something else that is able to- They'll run the metrics. Essentially think, okay. calculate, okay. process information. The actual like projection, yeah. is, that's okay. just a hologram of you. 
I'm just making sure because like that's what I was picturing. Like that's not fucking close at all. But like, that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you being Princess Leia in the little blue thing at the beginning of Star Wars Episode <laughs> Four, the original. Right, right. No, I get. I get going, you. Obi Wan, help me, right? Like, except you're actually interacting with the person as they're actually doing it. Like you're projecting yourself into the room as a person does a workout. So it's interesting, it's interesting you say that because on my platform, like I can look at my cell phone right now and I can see which of my clients are literally currently working out. They're logging their sets and reps and exit. And I'll do this all the time. I'll sit there because I'm in front of this all day long. Oh, Adam's working out. Uh, he did, did RDLs with 225 for eight. I'll instant message him while he's in the gym and say, how's the workout going? And we get a little dialogue. He's like, yeah, that, 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 you know, that set was light. Should I bump up for the next? I'm literally talking to them while they're, while they're there, which is kind of cool. But it, it comes up in real time. It comes up in real time on the platform. Add more weight. You pop up on the phone. <laughs> this, this has been uniquely interesting. I hope everybody listening to this. Sorry. I just, um, I, I just thought when you said AI, I'm like, you're fucking, there's no robots coming in their fucking workouts. But now you, what you're saying makes more, you basically well, just want a smarter. There's answer. an interesting thing. You got to wonder when the day comes, because there's going to be a certain type of people, a generation that are growing up on tech and they're more comfortable interacting you know, with computers or whatever, that you literally will have a personal trainer, robot, artificial intelligence. It's going to happen. It's not soon. It will actually happen. I don't think it's going to replace us, right? Uh, I don't think it's going to be like the movie iRobot or any of these other, uh, you know, apocalyptic, worst-case scenario, AI sort of situations. It's not going to be, uh, was it, what the hell is it, Cyberdyne or uh, Scott, obviously Skynet, Terminator, that sort of shit. But uh, I don't know, Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk, I think, are two of the really brilliant minds that think that our pursuit of AI is probably a really fucking bad idea long term. We're already at the point where AI, artificial intelligences are building other artificial intelligences. I read books on this shit, so I find this crap kind of interesting. Uh, if anybody's interested in it, The Future is Faster Than You Think by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. You He's guys read a bunch of sci-fi stuff. It's not sci-fi. Like, well, what I, real quick, what I'm worried about is like if I'm in Starbucks and somebody sees me, they can point their if they could put point their phone yeah. at me and all of my friggin' information where I live, you know, any type of background check that they want to do. I, I wonder if that's going to happen. Well, that's where wearable that's technology terrifying. is like terrifying because like that's we, kind we, of what it is. We stay away from the sort of the the political social sort of side of this stuff. But you get things like social credit scores in countries like China, where you know your behavior, whether or not you spit on the sidewalk or littered or something scores against you to the point where you know it restricts your ability to get train tickets to a different province of the country Jeez, that, really oh fuck yeah that shit's that shit is i love where i live i love Canada. there's an episode of like was a black mirror yeah that actually does this but this it's is terrifying real so this is actually happening in china there's some spooky shit there but again that's also a very different cultural like they're a very collectivist culture in their like history whereas we're in the west america i just can't see that actually happening here but that's a real rabbit hole we don't want to go into. Given the amount of time, I'm, I'm pivoting fast here. Given the amount of time that you invest in your clients and online with, uh, with your training, where do you switch it off? How do you set boundaries on that? And then what do you do with that time to enjoy your own personal time and space? I mean, I have a, I have a very, first of all, like if I, if I don't have structure in my life, I, I, I don't know how people get up and not have a day mapped out. I have a very, set schedule. I'm usually up at five. I have certain things I do, you know, on the platform for my clients until about eight 30. Then I go train for two hours and it's lunch. And then it's about, you know, one to four 
time with my girlfriend or kids, dinner, and then, you know, a check-in, you know, going over the platform, looking at client check-ins, responding to messages for maybe an hour, seven o'clock, it's done. I mean, that's, that, those are my boundaries, but I'm doing something seven weeks, seven days a week, guys. And I, I don't mind it because I love it. I can, do, I, I can do it anywhere. I mean, I'm working in the checkout line. I'm working between sets. If I do cardio post-workout and that's cool because it's, like I say, you know, shoot a video, do a voice memo, send it off. And I don't like feeling backed up. So I don't mind working seven days a week, but there's plenty of, because I do work remotely, there's plenty, plenty of freedom yeah. you know, to do that and not feel too overwhelmed. But I do have, I have very set boundaries in terms of, I need this time to train myself. I need this time for my girlfriend and her kids. And that's non-negotiable. Which is good. I like, I like that you brought up between sets and stuff. Cause essentially it gets dogged on like, Oh, you shouldn't be doing work or like your workouts, your workout. But sometimes it's like, we brought this up. Like you're not doing anything anyways. And if you have like a time break between your sets, like fuck, it just kills the time. Yep, exactly. And like, I don't find that bad. I've said this before on the podcast, but you know, I think a lot of people who are really successful in our world will struggle with the theoretical work life balance, but it's our, a made up our work, anyways. Yeah, it's, made up, it's our life. Anyway, my work is very much my life. I love it. I do physically train people seven days a week. Uh, most of the weeks of the year, I will actually work at least a little bit all seven days. And in my downtime, I'm often writing or reading things that are related to work. And I'm actually a really happy person. You think about exactly. people yep. do the, the prototypical nine to five and that same person made up leaves at the end of the day and they need to decompress and shut off because their work doesn't make them happy. And then they need to take, like, they're always, always talking about taking vacations away from their life. And that tells me, well, the problem is not needing the vacation. The problem is it, I don't have a life that I need vacations from. Does that make sense? What's the yep. structure? You live in a world that's made up like seven days a week. Weekends are fucking free, nine to five. Like if you, if you don't fit in that bubble, like you're going to feel like that. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where all those books and shit about time management and all that stuff, it's like, it's so variable because it's based on a system that isn't real. Like that, none of that stuff's real, yeah. especially yeah. once you get out of it. Like we'll say online coaching. Once you get out of it, you realize like it's like, it's a huge rat race. So if you can have some freedom in, in customizing how you do it, like you don't need to worry about the work-life balance thing because that's fucking made up. But I stress agree. isn't made up, but like that's a you problem and it's nothing to do with like this. It's like your job or like you're stuck in this box. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that, but I don't feel that either. Yeah, no. sorry. That was like philosophical, like fucking made up, but yeah. It's the matrix, man. Um, there's that theory that we all actually are living with yeah. the Matrix. <laughs> See, that's the books he's reading. He's no, like, if people are going to think I'm all like into paranoid sci fi, that's he likes not aliens. He believes in aliens too. I'm the last one. Actually, no. I'm not, just joking. Now that you think about it, they probably exist, but I'm not big into that stuff either. Right? So uh, we need to let people know where to find you online because hopefully a lot of regular listeners. I'm, I'm really hoping that they be like, oh yeah, man, like PJ's great. I want to, you know, to see him. But I'm guessing a lot of people are like, oh wow, this guy's really new. He's got some cool stuff to say. So I hope you guys will actually go and follow, uh, you, you know, your Instagram or, or, or whatever you want people to find you on. Yeah, find me. It's at PJ Street. That's S T R I E T. That's Twitter and uh, Instagram. And then if you search Coach PJ Street on Facebook, you can go to my business page. Those are my three main main outlets. Nice. Awesome. And again, I can't say this enough, like this is really fun. And 
You know, I was saying earlier about finding people like Erica Suter and Savon Fagan and yourself. One of the cool things about this podcast, yeah, we've had several people on here who have had multiple hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. We've had Brett Contreras, we've had Jordan Syed on, and a lot of, like Christian Thibodeau, a lot of people who are big names in our world. It also gives us the opportunity to take some people who are working really, really hard, who are doing amazing shit that haven't yet become the household name that some of these other people have. And oftentimes the information is just as good, if not even better. And the people who are listening, especially anyone who stays to this end of the episode, is clearly someone who cares about their success in their career. So you're going to probably do really well by learning lessons from people like yourself who have had a long track record of success. I just enjoy the fact that you've been successful having pivoted a number of times. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, like I said, my, my objective here was to anybody who wants to go into this online coaching thing, just know that it's, it's not quite as, as glamorous as it's been made out to be. And it's every bit as much of work. You got to know your numbers. You got to know, you got to know, you know, the business side of this as well. So yeah, I hope this was helpful for, uh, for someone out there. This is great. And you know, if you are someone listening to us that actually found us through PJ and maybe this is absolutely your first episode. Well, we've mentioned a few people that we all know who we've had on Nick Tuminello, obviously is a great episode. Just cycle through our library of stuff. You're probably going to see a lot of names that you're familiar with that you'd like. We hope that you know, you'll check out more of what we've been doing and that you might even stick around and subscribe because this is how we build our audience. And you know, now we're reaching thousands of people every episode, which is really exciting shit. So, uh, and meanwhile, you know, if someone wants to reach out to us, uh, you can find me, Andrew Coates, on Instagram, uh, Dean Guido at Guido Power on Instagram. Guido Power. Power. And easy enough to find. And, uh, you know, we're sharing stuff that we're trying to help people too. So uh, go check us out as well. But most importantly, find, go find PJ. Right, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Guys, appreciate it. Thanks so much. Shut up and sit down.